Greetings, fellow children. This is Paul Nick Fitzgerald Fitzy Stevens, or your cousin from Boston here, for whatever company paid me to bring you this hit holiday album of 2021. Do you wish you could hear back the iconic Twitterisms of sports media? Well, you can with Now That's What I Call Somebody Paid College Tuition to Do That Volume 1. Yeah, classic hits by multiple personalities, including Big If True. Wow. Sources tell me the same, per my colleague and me. This will impact the next game, and the Steelers or their player were found innocent of any wrongdoing and will not receive a fine or suspension. Don't worry, we will have your need for one-hit wonders covered also, including Ben Volan's Interesting, Shank Shaughnessy's Tomato Can, Rex Ryan putting a foot in his mouth, Tony Dungy's dying breaths on Sunday Night Football, and more. Call now, and we'll throw in our special collection, The Ballads of Bedard, which goes over key hits including People Are High on Gronkowski? I don't see it at all. I work for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. The investigation will be over after the World Series, and a special unreleased Badad internal thought. Why did I make this fucking website? I'm drowning. Somebody please come help me. I need my mama. Wah, wah, wah. All this for less than one month subscription to any hyper-local scumbag website. Call today. Ladies and gentlemen, this is entitled Weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Entitled Weekend. It's the other party of four, and this is a big week. It's Bill's week. The Bill's Mafia are already jumping through chairs and hitting their heads above tables just because of this week. And Steve, I'm going to start with you. Uh, General Steve, oh, General Steve, uh, Dan, and Bill are here. And it's me, Shaq. Uh, Steve, I'm going to start with you. This week has been, man, I, I, I can't imagine uh, a more, uh, maybe, maybe it was last year, but Bills fans have just been mighty talkative. <laughs> oh, they, it's dude, it's been awful. And they don't even like, like, they don't even know what they're talking about. They don't even know how to like talk trash. They're like, oh, Mac Jones is bad under pressure. It's like, well, Josh Allen ain't that great under pressure. You see, <laughs> we could cherry pick clips too. I, I, yeah, we'll, we'll I get mean, to that when we talk about it. But, yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, like, this, I, like I posted the other day on Twitter, I think this is going to be maybe the most satisfying Monday night, like, no, just regular season victory in, like, maybe my lifetime, just, like, to shut these fucking people up. I can't wait. And, yes, I am already calling the victory. Yeah, and what's what's real weird about this entire week, and, Dan, um, we're going to get to the matchup specifically in a moment, but is it just me or do you sense, do you sense that the Bills fans are scared? I think all of this is just, it's just a, a reaction, you know, when, and when your reaction, it's kind of like uh, a human or like an, another, a mammal or an animal when they're, when they sense, when they sense fear, they tend to lash out. 
And so, it, you know, Bill's fans, it seems like they're the caged animal and they're, you know, there's somebody creeping close to them and they're about to be attacked. And so they're lashing out on Twitter saying how much Max sucks, how much, you know, how easy the schedule has been for the Patriots, you know, how much it doesn't really matter who the Patriots have played because they're, they're all, you know, cupcakes, they're tomato cans. So is it, just, is it, am I, am I feeling, am I feeling, uh, indifferent to this or is it or is it just fear out of the case of the bills fans well it's the whole like fright or flight defense mechanism that's going on right now that we see we see a lot of projecting um a lot of you know like steve said cherry picking it's real easy it's real easy to pick things out that that fit your narrative but when there's dates attached to them it doesn't always work out we got people throwing stats up here on twitter from october for josh allen we got people posting clips of, of Mac Jones in his first three games with a bad offensive line. But it's a, but you can't post clips of Josh Allen with a bad offensive line. That's the rule that I I learned this week. But yeah, because if, if you I, do, because if you do, if you post something else, that means you're a burner, Dan. Do you know that? Your account is a I'm burner account. The rules. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Changing the rules. And your account is a burner account, and but if you but if you confront the other person who's calling you a burner, and then you then then you ask them, well, you know, they have an account of you know a family picture. Oh my goodness, I'm calling out your family now. Oh my god, the the, the death of it all. Am I a burner That's- account? We're all burner accounts. You're a burner wow. account. Wow, because I'm a burner account. Wow, I just yeah. have my name and face right on. <laughs> Name, face, yeah. website. If you put, if you put the name, there, if you put the name of an athlete, what I've learned this week is if you put the name of an athlete in your display name, that means you're a burner account. You don't even have to, because I was once accused of being a David Price burner account by the sports <laughs> editor of the Eagle Tribune. So, I love the story. Oh, it's amazing. It's my that's my fate. That's like my claim to fame on Twitter up until this week. But <laughs> that is 100 my one of my favorite Twitter stories of all time. Unless, unless you have all of your loved ones in your profile picture with social security cards and proof of birth, you're a burner. It's a burner. Uh, and as soon as you point out there's a family in your picture, oh, now you're threatening my family. Now you've brought my family into it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's the whole defense mechanism and then fight or flight. So if it doesn't work out for you, they just block you. So that's the flight. So they're, you know, that, that's, that seems to be the go-to for a lot of these guys. A guy who's supposed to be one of the big Bills Mafia, uh, you know, beat writers. He's sort of like a spulpit, if you will, for the Bills Mafia uh, with, you know, over 4,000 followers, but you can't handle a few people pointing out, hey, why aren't you mentioning the Colts game for the Bills or the Jags game? Oh, because those weren't good games for Josh and you lost to Jacksonville. So, and then, um, and then you post the, you post the video from the Cowboys game where, you know, yeah, Matt Hat makes a mistake. But then the next play, Mac throws a freaking spike for a touchdown. But there's not, there's no mention of that, right? And it wasn't even yeah, pressure. Yeah, the there wasn't even pressure on touchdown. One. The next play, right? The whole point was say get pressure on Mac Jones. There wasn't even pressure. It's just a bad, a bad route, a, a miscommunication, and then he nailed it the next play. And it, it just, and he's a rookie. We're talking about a rookie versus what was that? His fifth game, sixth game, right? Ever? And, and, and Josh Allen's what? This is his fourth season. His third or his fourth, right? I believe it's his fourth. Yeah. So, what what are we comparing here? This is like when people used to compare Cam Newton to, to Mac Jones. Like it, he's a rookie. Compare him to other rookies. If if we're trying to be somewhat, you know, everyone says don't get ahead of yourself with Mac Jones when he does well. 
but we're getting ahead of ourselves when he does bad. It, it, it's, it's you can't, you know. It's, it's because so they we can't compare him to Josh Allen as a rookie. I mean, Josh Allen as a rookie was rough, and yeah, I mean so, that's so like let's no. make it fair. We'll compare Mac <laughs> Jones's rookie year to Josh Allen's rookie year, and Mac Jones is um, exponentially better than Josh Allen was his rookie year. Listen, right. this, you don't this make is... the rules, okay? You don't make the rules. It has to go through Kevin over in <laughs> Bill's Mafia media. But yes, Bill's Mafia Kevin has to has to approve all takes, but this is what comes down to the cycle of doubt in the Patriots that media and fans like to latch onto. This is what happens. Okay, Mac Jones is just a rookie. He benefits from Belichick's system. But Belichick was made by Brady, and Brady was made by a great team. And the great team was made by Belichick, and Belichick was made by Brady, and Brady was made by the great team. And it just goes in a circle forever because they always want to be able to deflect that whatever's happening isn't that great, which proves that they're scared. And I think, Dan, you hit it right on with the flight or fight reflex. It's just they're terrified that the Patriots could be good again and they have to cast doubt that Mac Jones could be a solution at quarterback because they've had to draft like 15 guys to get it right. And if we have to draft one, that's going to burn them for a long time. Well, Bill, 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 I I love that you brought that up, how it comes full circle. Cause like, I, I, that's been like my, I think my favorite thing this year is that I'm already doing the define the system tweets for Mac Jones, when last year I was sitting there like trying to be like, no, you can't tell me that Brady didn't learn anything from Belichick now. <laughs> last year I was all like, dude, you told me it was all the system. And now I'm back to define the system and stop telling me it's just called the Belichick system. But that system, me- but that system was terrible last year because you know Cam didn't have any help. But now yeah, but the Belichick system that was gone that just I mean <laughs> This is such an amazing system. No one else has ever ran it, apparently. Any quarterback can do it, except for Cam Newton. This is basically what I've learned from Twitter. Let's not say the Pats, if they're good. They're good. It's 12 games in the books. They're way better than anyone thought they'd be. I mean, people had records down of they'll go 6-11, and, six and 11, you know, 7-10. Seven and, seven and 10. Uh, some people were like five, five wins tops, four wins tops. And now we're, you know, well into the playoff race. Yes. We're getting into the quote unquote meat of the schedule, but they're good. And now they're just facing another good team and everyone's good. back to cherry picking plays. Now we're going to cherry pick what's going on with the teams, the players that are able to play. So obviously we talked about it last week too, like Tredavious white being out, people are going to cherry pick the shit out of that saying, Oh, well, you, you don't have your best player on your, on defense. It doesn't really count. It's like too, too late. We're at the point of the season where that shit doesn't fly anymore. You're, you're going and it's going to be a 17 game season plus playoffs. Like you got to buckle up, buddy. Like if your team isn't healthy, that's on you. It, it, we're moving on. We're not looking back. And not to mention, I think, you know, I don't know if we're jumping ahead here, getting into the bills preview, but I think, the guy taking his place, he's not exactly a guy off the street. It's not like you're plugging in a much subpar cornerback behind White. Yes, it's definitely White is more talented, but the guy behind him is very good. He's a very solid cornerback. So I think people are trying to overhype that a little bit, even though I do agree, like overall, I think Bill, we talked about this last week too, is 
he is a big piece to that defense. Don't get me wrong, but it's not going to be like they're just going to pick on the guy who's replacing. Now, the guy who may be moving up to uh, the third cornerback slot, you know, he may be the guy that they're going to pick on with, with, you know, guys like Myers and Bourne. But, you know, we can talk more about that. Yeah, I, I think that hits on, you know, a huge component of the game is going to be the ability to spread the ball across the field and not worry about where Trey White is. That's going to be a huge component where it's not this section of the field that's blocked off. And they're not going to be like, oh, let's avoid Trey White if they're doing zone. If they're doing man, then obviously whoever's on top of them, they're going to throw probably to a little bit less, or it's going to be hard to get a route set up that way. Um, Trey White is great in anticipation, which could have hurt the screen game some, could have hurt the run game a little bit. Um, So, I mean, there's a lot of elements there that Trey White brought to the table that are mitigated by the fact he's not playing, but it doesn't mean that other players on their team don't have some of those elements and you don't have to be ready for players to anticipate plays, be in the right position. It's just going to make good decision-making be more successful, more frequently for a rookie quarterback like Mac Jones. I'll just, I just want to tack onto that. What I interesting argument I heard come up on the radio this week, which was like sort of a, sort of a, Oh, what the fuck is this take type of moment was Trey white not being in this game is really not that important because the Patriots don't really have any wide receivers that jump off. That's, that's what they're, they're saying now they're saying, yeah, the Patriots wide after last week, you know, especially in what Bourne's been putting together for his campaign this season, where he's going to, he's probably going to go over a thousand yards at this point. Like he's, he's having the best season of his career. And we're going to say there isn't one wide receiver just because everyone's so focused on Nelly Ags, you know, <laughs> Nelly Ags and that contract. But everyone you calls know, him. People, old tweeted Nelly. This, people tweeted this week. Oh, I can't wait till Michael Gallup takes the place of Nelly. Ag- what, what are you talking about? He's not going in. You're not replacing that contract. They're, they could they could do a new deal, but you're not. Stop doing the fantasy bullshit of, oh, now I found another wide receiver that caught my eye. It's like that meme with the guy is with the girl looking back at the other girl <laughs> walking by. It's just like it's constant with with Pat's Twitter is they're looking for the next great wide receiver that they're like, should have signed him, should have drafted him. It's like, just shut the fuck up and like what you, you have. Jesus Christ. Oh, you're teetering on my final thought. I am very excited. You are you are teeing me up for oh, that. I appreciate it, it. That's the last we're going to talk about. Until <laughs> well, speaking of speaking of uh, the game itself, I want to get deeper into it because uh, the Patriots, obviously, first and foremost, are best when they're running the football and controlling the time of possession. And last week, that kind of got away from them because the Titans edged them out by about two minutes in time of possession, but the Titans offense turned the ball over so much. So obviously that, that helped the Pats a lot, but this week uh, the Buffalo's a really good offense, but they're, they're going to go back to what I think is uh, an, uh, an old school quote unquote uh, way of thinking in the best being, meaning the best way to beat uh, an offense, whether they're, you know, a high flying chiefs offense or a relatively good offense, like this bill's, offenses is to play keep away is to run you know do the harris harris son meaning harris and stevenson together they should get the ball a lot um and i'm gonna go with you steve because you know the bills have the sixth best rush defense in the league but they're not unbeatable i mean 
good backs and good running teams have had success. Look at the Titans. Look at maybe maybe even the Chiefs, and definitely look at the Colts because a couple that was and that was only a couple weeks ago. They committed to the run. They ran into little, you know, effort. The Bills' defense just wilted. Mm-hmm. 264 yards. Obviously, when you have a back like Jonathan Taylor, who is emerging, is probably one of the best in the league, if not the best. Um, I think the Patriots' offensive line, though, has a much better edge over the Colts, and I think they'll be running, be able to run the ball over the field. And when you run the ball, that means play action, and we all know how good Mac Jones is at that. Yeah. Um... I, I don't want to say that, you know, they probably, they might be a better offensive line than the Colts. That's hard to really say, but like, that's how the Colts, Jonathan Taylor is, like you said, he's a, he's a special talent. He's very talented. No, I don't think Damian Harris or Andre Stevenson or Brandon Bolden, who Patriots fans love to hate, who's guy who another guy who's having the best season of his career. Um, but uh, the Bills got blown off the line of scrimmage in that game. And the Patriots have done that to every team. Now, except for the Titans, they were not able to do it to last week, really, is just blow them off the line of scrimmage and establish the run. And I think the Patriots are going to go right back to that this week. They're going to try to get – I think they're going to be successful with it because I don't think Buffalo is going to be able to stand up to them Against the run that right, I, I I think both Harris and Stevenson are going to have pretty good games. And like you said, the play action. Um, then, I mean, like Bill Bill touched on it. Trey White not being there. That guy, like, like Bill said, that is a guy that takes away one side of the field. Uh, it, he's probably, I mean, him and Jalen Ramsey are the two best cornerbacks in the NFL. So that next man up thing, like, yeah, you're not going to get a guy as good as Trey white, but at the same time, like you're too late in the season to make excuses for losing a game because you didn't have a guy that's not going to be there the rest of the way. And he's not going to be there in the playoffs when you make the playoffs. So if here's what I got to say to bills, the Patriots actually suck and they only beat the bills because you don't have Trey white. Well, then I guess you're not going to win any other games then because you won't have Trey White at all. Yeah, that's the reality for their team this year. And and I think it also hits on um, we need to discuss how the Patriots are going to run against the Bills because there's, you know, a big difference between the Colts game and this game is star Lotilele coming back. Um, I know he's still dealing with an, a non-COVID-related illness, so I think his status might be a little up in the air, but it sounds like he's playing. Um, he's a big difference maker on the interior. I do think this could be a frustrating game for the Josh McDaniels haters because they're going to see more of those outside runs. They're going to see more of that happening frequently. What I do think the Patriots did an interesting job of last week to set up that play action as well is they committed very heavily to almost exclusively running the ball on first down. It was an, a, a ridiculously high percentage of first down runs. And I feel like that's a fade to sort of prepare for some play action early in this game against the Bills. And to sort of soften up that front working seven. For a majority of the game, too. Mm-hmm. But they were committed to doing it. And I think it was in part to set up strategy for other games within the season, knowing that they felt like they had a good game plan going into that Titans game. Certainly, it wasn't like they're overlooking the Titans by any stretch, but I think they said, like, 
Josh, we're going to plan to run the ball like 80, 85% of our first downs here. And then I, th- I do think you could see some first down play action early in the game against the Bills to soften the front seven a little bit so that the runs are more effective when they're taking those opportunities on first and second down in the early downs. So it's sort of like that advanced metric where Bill tends to zag when others would zig. Dude, I, I swear, Bill, you you you're not looking at my computer, but that's exactly what I was about to say next. I swear. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's great because Are you sure he's not looking at your computer. Yeah, I, I, well, we're screen sharing right now, but right now he isn't. But but, dude, that's exactly where I was gonna go because, and I was gonna go to you, Bill, because in the trenches, obviously, the game's one in the trenches, cliche of a thousand years. But make make football thick again. Right. That's right. Make make football thick and fat. P-H-A-T. Not fat. F-A-T. Um, the offensive line for the Patriots, like I said earlier, is, is going to have to be the best unit on the field. Keep Mac Jones upright. I think he can take advantage of Trey White's absence. But um, and Bill about and this isn't this was part of the uh, the outline that before before we started the the, the McDaniels haters. And I swear to God. there's not one game that McDaniel doesn't get some type of heat, but, and I said this on other shows, I said this on the mothership that the offensive coordinator, is seeming seemingly the coach that gets the most is the lightning rod for criticism, regardless. It's not the defensive coordinator because the defensive coordinator, you know, it doesn't really, I, I don't know why they don't get heat necessarily, but it's the offensive coordinator always. Um, and uh, this game, I'm sure, is going to depend most likely on a fair amount of hot routes for the Patriots, a lot of screens, and that's great. Death by a thousand paper cuts, right? And with an 80% chance of snow, which I'm looking at here on the weatherchannel.com, thank you, um, this game isn't built to have a bunch of, you know, long passes, deep passes, long developing routes, and all that, you know, hodgepodge and craziness. So winning on the run in the trenches is going to be so important. You know, bully ball, push the lines around. And if they can have success there, not only is that going to open up the run, but that's going to, again, do wonders for the play action. And, you know, there's some stats here. He's, Mac, Mac is 13 of 19 for 100. Well, this was during the, uh, the, in the preseason. He was 13 of 19 for 146 yards, three incompletions, hit his receiver square in the hands. And, you know, he, he does well in play action pretty much. Yeah. I, I mean, the Josh McDaniels hate is funny because it's, it's almost like Mosh Jick Daniels calls when it's a good play <laughs> and when it's a bad play, it, it, it's, you know, the, the demon spawn Josh McDaniels calling it, but it's, it's, it's I mean, a freaky, it's a freaky Friday bo- body swap. Right. I mean, you know, I know we're sort of weaving that in, but I, I think that this is also why they've been crafting on Wayne role the way they have. This, this type of game is exactly it because that's going to enhance your outside run game because exactly. you're now adding that tackle on the edge. You can still have somebody, you can have somebody like Smith line up as a wide receiver and you've got a tight end blocking a cornerback at that point, which is a huge matchup advantage there. And you're not having to reduce the sort of quality of the blocker nor the quality of the pass catchers that you want out there if you do choose to go play action. And then you've got that extra body in to protect Mac. 
um, to prevent sort of that pass rush from getting to him in the snow, which could lead to a little bit of a harder time holding on to the ball. The ball, ball is colder. We all know science on this podcast. The, you know, the air pressure might change in the ball. The ball gets a little bit harder. And so it could make it a little bit trickier to hold on to the ball if you're going to get hit. So it's much, as you said, Shaq, keeping, keeping Mac upright is going to be critical in this as well. And it's going to be a big on win you game in my book. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I was gonna go back to and I hate to go into the past you know Bills fans have said stop living the past Pats fans so I I am gonna reference actually last season which uh you know hurts hurts to do they don't bring up the past but they Bills fans bring up last season a lot but go ahead yeah they're holding on to that they're gonna have to hold on to that for a while so last last season we went up we faced Buffalo and this is the second game I think this is the front seven for the Patriots John Simon, Byron Coward, Adam Butler, Tashawn Bauer, Therese Hall, Josh Uche, and Adrian Phillips. That was your front seven last time. This time, look at it now. And the Buffalo's offensive line was much better last season. They've had some injuries. They've had, I think they had a little bit of turnover too. And now that offensive line is just, it's okay. It's, I mean, I think they're ranked 18th out of all uh, 32 teams. Um, and I just think of what this defensive line and this front seven has done to the Browns offensive line and the Titans offensive line, like these offensive lines who are maulers and probably top five, the Patriots front seven can manhandle. So I, I look at it that way. Like, you know, and this is the, this is the trenches game. Like back to you, get what you guys are saying is like the, the elements and just the way that Bill wants to play ball. And hey, if Josh Allen wants to go ahead and throw it up a bit in this game, good fucking luck, man. Because it's gonna be there's gonna be severe wind supposedly as well. So that wind chill. Um, they Patriots have the ability to just send four, send three even if they want to and still contain Josh. I mean, Josh, Josh is going to be on skates a little bit. There's snow. It's not going to be easy for him to just escape the pocket. Um, and I think, you know, if he's covered his weapons, especially digs, if they, if they look to just, you know, if that's the guy they want to take away and now he's left with Cole Beasley, Cole unvaccinated Beasley and uh, Emmanuel Sanders who's what 34 years old. I mean, you're not left with much and, and your running backs kind of blow. So I, I'm not worried about that. Um, I just want to stay healthy. I want to make sure they make mistake-free football. And I think otherwise this should be a game that we can control. And, um, and, and, and the other side of the ball, if I really want to do that, you know, last time we had Cam Newton at quarterback. Uh, Devin Asiasi was the, the tight end because Matt LaCosse, I think, was hurt or something at that time. Uh, and then our wide receivers were just Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird. So now, you know, we, now we have Hunter Henry, you know, Jonah Smith. Um, the running backs are completely different. I mean, Sony Michelle's not even on the team anymore. Um, I just think the personnel has flipped completely and people are holding on to what the Bills were last year going into this year. And I think that's as hard as people coming to grips with the Patriots being good again, is that the Bills might not be as good again as they were last year. And I think that's just hard for people to come to terms with because everyone put their chips in on the Bills winning the division this year. Dan, I, I want to go back to what you were talking about as far as Allen. Um, look, if I'm Belichick, 
if, you know, the first thing I do is rush four traditionally and then hope you get, you know, those coverage sacks, force Allen to go through progressions because you got, you got Lawrence Guy, you got uh, Bill's, uh, Bill's man crush, Matthew Judon, and you got uh, Christian Barmore. They're good enough to beat their guy if given, if they had the time to do that. Like, a, what is it, a second and a half? You know, and then you, you see those red sleeves and, you know, it's over. So, well, it's, it, I mean, like Mitch Morse is, he's a serviceable center. He's not, he's not a David Andrews. He's not, you know, a, a guy who's this, this anchor for your offensive line. He's fine, but fine is not really good enough against a guy like Christian <laughs> Barmore who takes like last week, four guys to block him or two guys to block him. I mean, he, he's doing things. He's not just a Vince Wilfork in terms he can plug. He's, he's sort of just a rookie. He's like you he took Vince Wilfork and Richard Seymour and turned them into one guy, the way he plays. It's like <laughs> he can either clog it up or he can wreck it. It's just, he can decide if he wants to be the, the wall or the unstoppable force, whatever, either one. And, in, and I think this game sets up very well for them in that respect. I mean, it, it stinks that we don't have uh, Duggar, probably, it sounds like. There's a small chance he could still play. Um, but I think... Overall, I think, you know, Adrian Phillips can fill that spot pretty well. And I think Devin McCourty, I just saw that stat that he's at for safety. He's like allowing the lowest passer rating when targeted this season. It's like his best season in terms of coverage, which is insane to, to think about it. You know, he's his age and supposedly he wasn't going to be able to play uh, per uh, Burt Breer. You know, he wasn't going to be a leader anymore. And Hightower was supposed to stay. Well, we'll get to that too. Calvin, Noah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's go there. Yeah, it's it's wild that they, you know, it's wild that we got Barmore. I I think about that every week. Uh, I've come to think of him as Christian instead of Christian Barmore, Christian Dementor, because he eats souls. And it's <laughs> nice. just it is just he he just takes up space when he wants to. As you said, he can be the wall or the un, or the you know unstoppable force plowing through. I argue that our defense is the more improved unit than the offense from last. I had no clue. (laughs) Very true. But I I think that the defense is the much more improved product because we've got high, you know, we've got high tower. Hopefully that, you know, the, whatever he missed practice with today isn't significant enough to miss time because he is a key cog. Van Noy coming back in, the emergence of Phillips, um, the development of Duggar, Barmore, Judon, you know, you've got rotational pieces coming in from all different aspects. Special teams guys are coming in and making core contributions in big moments, which is what you hope for from any team and sort of what the Bills are going to kind of be hoping for to step in to help replace some of that Trey White loss. But overall, I think that defense is swarming in a way that it was not capable of last season, or I think that the offense had moments of brilliance last year, despite all of the gaps that they had. And I think they had more of an explosive nature than the, than um, the defense did last season. So I, I, I just, I love the way this team is playing. I think that the Patriots are significantly better. And Dan, you had the, hit it right on the head. The bills are worse than they were last year. And that should be concerning for Bills fans. They should be questioning their own team instead of the greatness of teams around them because they've got Josh Allen on a long-term contract. They've got Stefan Diggs that they've signed to a long-term deal. They're going to have to, you know, they're paying, you know, they're going to have to pay Trey White. They're going to have big money contract guys. And it's going to be how long does that core 
extend them along as major contenders. And if they need to add additional, they're shortening the length of that window if they need to add additional stars. And for me, I, I, I just think that, well, and to finish off this uh, Bill's preview and yeah, going back to going back to Josh Allen, who likes to extend plays, you know, and you we were talking about the linebackers, Dan, uh, Hightower may not, it's, just, it's a slight chance he might not be there. Um, although, you know, for when if you go on Patriots Twitter, it's like he's not there anyway, because, you know, Dante Hightower is old and should be retired and he, you know, he's not on the stat sheet, so he doesn't really matter if, anyway. If Hightower doesn't play this week, Spike King's probably going to pop back up. Like, see, I told <laughs> oh, you all he's going to retire. This is just what he's doing. He decided to retire now. And then I, I said, talk to me in December. I hope he does because then, he, <laughs> then Hightower's wife will you know, give him, you know, another body slam and it will be excellent. I hope Hightower also, doesn't retire next August. So Spike King can't be like, just be like, I told you it was in August. 2022. <laughs> I said within an entire year, not the calendar year. Uh, it was after it was after a World Series, <laughs> uh, and also this game's going to be cold. Is it going to be? I know Mac played in a cold game. Can you play in a cold, cold game? Because now, now it's a different type of cold. I have no idea where that came from, and I, I'm with the guys on on the mothership. Where did that take come from? Because uh, like ten minutes before the game starts, I'm seeing all these tweets about, oh, I'm so worried about Mac in the cold. I'm like, what? <laughs> You know, it's it's like it's like we get too much time on our hands before Pats games. People that don't have lives otherwise, like they just sit there and then they start thinking, and then they're like, they're just such in deep thought that they, you know, their eyes widen. They're like, holy shit, what if it's too cold for him? He's from Alabama. He's probably never he probably never seen a snowflake. Oh my god! And they freak out and they piss their pants. It's it's that we spend way too much time allowing people like you know Justin Ramos or whatever he is create narratives that then get picked up by a quote unquote actual media because he was like oh mac jones was shaking before the game he's shivering yeah what and what does that have to do with you know (laughs) as all human as all humans do like like, unless you're telling me that he's fallen to the ground and is having a straight-up seizure his shaking before a game is irrelevant well, like I, I was thinking that when I saw that tweet, because I was sitting outside actually when I saw it. I, I was I was sitting outside having a cigarette. I was shivering a little bit out on my back deck, you know, with good layers on, you know, trying to keep myself warm. Good sweatshirt on. It was fucking cold out that day, and I'm used to the weather here. I I work construction and down the seaport in the winter. I I know cold weather. You just Sometimes you just don't get used to it. The guy was fucking look like he was a little bit cold on the field when it's freezing out. Yeah, that's because it's fucking cold out. And that's why you do warm ups. You warm up. <laughs> it's like, cold. It's, like, it's not cold ups. Yeah, it's not like you, you're he's just like, cold I'm, because I'm it's fucking cold. Like, I want to be God, one with the cold. <laughs> and then the fact. Oh. First of all, fuck that kid. I, that he, people like that. That's why I wish the Thanos snap really did happen sometime. Like, just fucking, like, get rid of half of Pat's Twitter. Just boom, snap it, and half these people are gone. Because oh, he should just do terrible. just do ninety eight percent. I'll be good with that. Like, where's yeah, the two percent? <laughs> yeah, do body temperature as a percentage. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's the fact that 
it is it's not just password it's twitter in general but you get just so many idiots that retweet this shit and and it's there's a lot of young kids too that that just you know these are the same the, the young kids that are like high towers wash you're you're living in the past it's like you're not even you don't even know what you're looking at just the kid on that 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 thread there he posted 10 i think he went extra credit and he did 12 but he posted all these plays video credit of high tower wrecking plays and doing his job like and and i see a tweet just yesterday and first of all who wakes up and just tweets about high tower sucking on a fucking friday like what else just are you miserable and and you're not even watching football and it's just like the cool and we talked about this before it's it's the whole being uh contrarian Oh, like everyone's saying Hightower's having a decent – I'm going to say he sucks. I'm just going to say he sucks, and then I'm going to get people like that. So you're not even watching the game because they don't know what it is to chip a tight end. They don't know what it is to chip a running back. They don't know what it is to pick up a guy to go underneath to, to kind of pressure on a guy and, and you force the ball up in a tip. Like they, they don't know what any of this shit is because they either never played or they never took the time you know, to just actually watch the game versus they probably are on their phone – playing video games and glancing all at the same time or like watching red zone and they have four different screens, like actually watch the game and know what the fuck you're talking about. You know how I know these guys don't know what they're talking about. When I see people like uh, Baldy, Brian Baldinger and uh, Dan Olofsky, even though, you know, you gotta, you gotta step up your pizza making game, Dan, that's terrible. But (laughs) when I see guys like that talking about how great, Hightower is and how many plays he's making and there's an awesome thread by seven rings on Twitter that, that I recommend everybody seeing and you know use it as your, as your armor for anybody who wants to question Hightower's efforts this season um, I, when I know guys like that are appreciating that Hightower is making plays that don't that it makes these idiots who, who are you know trying to get likes for clout it makes them even less relevant than they already are Yeah, so um, I can't wait for this game. It's going to be a brawl. It's going to be uh, cold, snowy, two, an AFC East matchup, the way everyone wants it. And I can't wait for, for Monday night around 11.50 because uh, I'm just going to say the receipts will be flying. Oh, we're dancing on graves. And I know I, it's I, only like, the first. I'm forcing myself to stay up for the entire game just so I can – which even if it's a blowout, like obviously, like I'm gonna have to work the next morning. It, it's tough for me these night games. Let's, oh, let's get. The I, I am on gonna Tuesday be morning. up. I like. Oh yeah. Like, let, let me tell you, I Tuesday morning, my 5 a.m. train ride. I am gonna be fucking flying with receipts. <laughs> and then you know what? And and you know, the rest the rest of the world is gonna wake up on Tuesday morning. Their timeline just being me fucking destroying fucking bills. <laughs> And you know so what? Long, like you're, you're buying something from CVS. That's how long the receipts are going to be. And you know what? If they don't, if they don't win on Monday night, there's still another matchup, and that's that's what's so advantageous about the next three or four weeks is that after this game, there's a bye week. So even if they lose, there's still a bye week. So they get to heal up, get all the all their shit together, get their game fans together, and they come home later on and. Who knows? Maybe that might mean more than this game, and and that's kind of where I'm leading towards. Because even even if things go wrong in the, on Monday night, I still think that the next game will be even more 
big. Huge. Yeah. yeah. It, it <laughs> will be. A little bit of breaking news there. Uh, Star Lutalele practiced in full today, so he's going to be good to go for, for oh. Monday, more, oh. more likely uh, than not. who? Per the Bills practice report. Oh, 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 well, oh, you missed, you missed, you missed, you missed the ample opportunity, Bill, to say per me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, if only I had listened a little more closely to the commercial at the start. <laughs> you got to get that I CD. I should, I should have bought I'll the say, album. I'll say this. Interesting. <laughs> Big <Yeah>. if true. <laughs> wow. Developing story. Confirmed. The Steelers will not be fined or suspended. Now, does this mean that the Bills are in win-now mode? Let's not even do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> if, if the Bills go out before this game and, uh, and sign, like, Frank Gore, yeah. Yeah, right. right. Somebody, you know, four years removed. <laughs> if, they, if, they, if, if they sign Andrew Luck, then they're in, they're in win-now mode. Barry Sanders, definitely win-now <laughs> mode. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. I mean, these, these guys are unbelievable. Um, all right, so that's the Bills game. But I want to move on now to this whole talk about uh, Coach of the Year and Rookie of the Year because um, Mac Jones just won Offensive Rookie of the Month, so congratulations. And Mr. Int himself, J.C. Jackson, just won Defensive Player of the Month. And obviously, that they don't deserve those things because, you know, it's all about the system. But... Uh, as far as Bill Belichick and Coach of the Year, and I've I've look I've called Coach of the Year the um, the honorary award for whoever is nice to the media. It's not really the Coach of the Year, but but even even the the prospect of Bill Belichick becoming Coach of the Year and the Mothership guys talked about this earlier in the week about um, Aaron Schatz shatting himself about uh, he doesn't want to give Bill Belichick the Coach of the Year. But fourth downs. Yeah. For, he's, he, Bill Belichick is terrible at fourth downs, and that's his criteria for not wanting to vote for Bill, for Bill Belichick. If he has a vote, I'll tell you this, I will never look for Coach of the Year as a legitimate award because if he has a vote, then, you know, that – it means yeah. nothing. But he's, he's more like to, – to these guys, he's the geriatric fuck of the year. That's, that's what they're going to say. He's too old. He doesn't do the cool stuff. He's not like uh, Kingsbury or – McVeigh there, you know. Oh, he went for it on fourth. Good for him. He did the right thing. Wonderbread, boring coach of the year. He's so brave. But I'll. But I want to go specifically, and I want to. Uh, I know this might be an easy target, but I don't care. Easy targets are, you know, you gotta, you gotta get the points wherever you can. Um, Albert Breer. Uh, I want to go to him because uh, five days ago or six days ago. He had a tweet that said, Bill Belichick and the Patriots are eight and four. Tom Brady and the Patriots are eight and three. Turns out both guys are really, really good. Turns out he says it as if that wasn't true before. But now it's true because both both uh, teams have similar records. I mean, Dan, you were talking about and, you know, you listen so we don't have to. You were talking about how he went on Toucher and Rich to say that the free agents that the Patriots signed and the drafted guys, they were shot that the Patriots way didn't exist anymore and there was resistance in the club. And you even gave me a clip that he went to on uh, NBC Takes Boston. So let's hear a little bit of that. 
You've been talking about the temperature or taking the temperature of the players mm -hmm. in this locker room. What's happening behind the scenes? Well, I think listening to what Devin McCourty said last week, you can kind of see it. Normally, these things that get taken care of behind closed doors, but seeing Devin McCourty publicly talk about the state of the team, I think at least set off some alarm bells down there. And there is a feeling that I've gotten from some people, from some newcomers coming into the team, that maybe it wasn't as tight an operation as they expected it to be. And I think the question is going to become now whether some of the older guys who aren't what they were on the field, guys like Dante Hightower, Devin McCourty, Kyle Van Noy, are able to get through to the younger guys. I think we've seen some of these things show up with some of the penalties of sloppiness. You know, you had you've had delay game penalties. You had 10 guys on the field for one of um, the bad defensive plays earlier in the year. You know, you've obviously had a couple of block punts. So I think the details are kind of what slipped here. And this is going to be a really interesting Sunday from that perspective, Amina, because I think the old Patriots would go into this game coming off of a loss like last week's loss to Dallas, where there was a lot of sloppiness and they would blow doors off the team, a team like the Jets. Are they going to be able to do that today? Because this is the last like real layup for a little while behind this Jets game. They get the Browns, the Chargers and the Panthers, all teams that I think you could say have more talented rosters than they do. Oh, Bert, 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 Bert. Oh, God. <laughs> I've never oh, heard somebody. Say, I've never heard somebody say so many incorrect things in a row. It was really amazing. <laughs> uh, except for Bedard, but you know, there it is. Well, yeah, I was. Yeah. Gonna, I've heard. I've heard people say that many incorrect things in a row. I've had the mispleasure of listening to Nick Wright talk about sports. But yeah, Bert is bad. Wow. I mean, <laughs> that, I. I don't even know if to, like I. I, I remember. So I think this was. Uh, well, talk, yeah, Dan, talk about this in constant in context of the tweet that he was like, "Oh, well, looks like they're good enough now." Sure. sure yeah. So, first of all, no repercussions. No, no, just admitting he was wrong about some bullshit he made, basically made up. I don't know who he talked to. I don't know who his connections are within the clubhouse. Like he he acts like he's talking to Jonathan Kraft, or he's probably talking to somebody that works over at the Patriots Hall of Fame, somebody that that works like who's the guy, Fred Kish, the guy who, who runs the Patriots weekly Kirsch, magazine. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, that guy's an asshole. I mean, you can't convince <laughs> me otherwise. He's, he's one of he, he's one of Spike King's sources. I found oh. that out. So he, he, he has he has no clue what's going on there. And these are guys and I have a friend who listens to their pod that these guys go on and say things like, you know, after Mac Jones has like one of his best games. No, you're, you're talking like, about the Patriots pod, like the, um, yeah. Yep. Unfiltered. Yeah, they, yes. They, they'll say things like, you know what? I haven't seen anything from Christian Barmore. He, he just kind of, <laughs> you know, he's there. He, he, he's getting, he's getting blocks, you know, taking on a couple blocks, but he's not, he's not a game changer or Judon. All he does is do, do like a sack once a game. Like what the fuck are you watching? This, this is this is it. supposed to be right. This is supposed to be the Patriots website, the in-house. You know, where where you know two to six calls them the Sunshine Brigade. But that, but that's the thing. It's like if that's the Patriots, if that's the, that's within that the the house of the Patriots, you got to think. Oh yeah, our Boston media is bad. They're bad, and 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 now Breer's on more that what is he? Uh, Money morning quarterback. With, with Peter King. Yeah, on, on, on yeah. Peacock, the network that nobody, the, the streaming service that, you know, my, my Roach uses. His little errand boy, you know, goes and pisses in public. Fucking asshole. Um, he, he just goes on these little tangents, especially, you know, who he feeds information to is Toucher and Rich. And he goes on 
Zoan Bertrand, and he he feeds these rumors and it inflates like guys like Fred Toucher, who Fred Toucher at the beginning of the season said Patriots are going to be a mediocre team because we were talking about it earlier on our, our in our thread is. Uh, he's a miserable Jets Lions fan, and this is what all Jets fans have done since the beginning of the season. What's her name? The reporter there, D- Diana Rossini from ESPN, did it too, where they continue to try and, you know, get away from the Pats being a good team. They they can't stand it, and the fact that the rebuild is happening this quick, I forget what game that was after. I think that was after, uh, was that the Cowboys game? I forget, but it was where where Breer is saying this, but um, I remember he went on Toucher and Rich that Monday morning, and that's where he said that on the air. And then Fred Toucher said, welcome to my world. You're on an average team. You guys are going to be mediocre for the next decade. Life sucks. Take it as you see it. And, and that was, and he was, he was kind of like even exaggerating the rumor a bit more. He said, this yeah, this is, is yeah, that was after the Cowboys game and this going into the yeah. Jets game. Yeah. So th- this is, this is, and, and the thing he says at the end there, which Breer is, this is why he's such a dickhead, a little dickhead about every time he gets away with these little comments and he did it, you know, the tweet that's been resurfacing other than the other one I, I was tweeting this week about his little excerpt that's that video clip too, is he said the Saints had a better roster back then um, without showing that hey, the Pats had a, a bunch of new personnel with a rookie QB, and they just made a lot of mistakes. They had a really mistake-filled game, and they still weren't that far out of the game at points. If, if people actually watched the game, it was just a ton of mistakes that you can't make. And he said, at the end of the day, they just have a more talented roster. And then this week, the little pipsqueak tweets out this Thursday night against the Cowboys, Sean Payton's coaching his ass off. It's like, dude, would you stop carrying water for these guys? Dude. Just a just admit that the Patriots are a good team. This goes back to what I'm saying before about the bills. It's like, no one wants to admit it. So they're just, they're peppering. They're continuing to do this whole, like put their stakes in now, hedge their bets. So later on the season, when, you know, if they lose in the playoffs or, you know, they don't get one of the top seeds, people can say, I told you so. They're not as good as these other teams. And that's all it is. It's all this bullshit of always being right at the end of the day. So later you can point to something and say, I told you so, even though the, all the other receipts are out there. Can't talk about him anymore. I'm going to lose my shit. I mean, all of that stuff, the whole wraparound comes back to stuff I think we talked about in the first pod, in the first Entitled Weekend pod, where we talked about how they needed to get players acclimated to what they're doing on the field. We had a lot of new personnel and that they were going to clean these things up over time. Breer tries to turn that into a story without really sourcing it from anybody inside of the actual football operations of the team. And at this stage, wouldn't they know better? than to make the comments before that Jets game. You know that's the Patriots get right spot. You know it. You you know, that's why stories come out after that game that say, oh, a 50-point victory or whatever it was, was expected. Because, you know, because people know that's a good get right spot. You'd think Breer, after, you know, decades of covering this team, would know well enough to just leave that be but this is why belichick is always going to be an underdog for coach of the year as well to bring it back to that component he's the greatest always, coach the greatest coach of all time is always going to be an underdog for coach of the year. he he is because anything great he does is expected because he's so great that's why at this point 
name the coach of the year award after Belichick and make him ineligible for it. Cause essentially that's what this is at this point. He's almost ineligible for this award because he's everything he's overqualified. Right. You're overqualified for the coach of the year. You're the coach of life. You're a coach of right. forever. Yeah. You are the, you are the greatest coach to ever put a headset and a cutoff sweatshirt on and you will stay that way for the rest of time. So just name the award after him call him ineligible for it and you'll stop hours of takes about this because we'll all understand that because you're just saying like we tap out belichick is better than us and it's the god's honest truth yeah i absolutely agree on that i i can't stand that they don't they won't give belichick the coach of the year and it's it's always been because like everyone just knows he's the best coach I, I, I don't think I, I, I don't think they're gonna give it to him this year. I think they're gonna go to someone that they just like like more, one of these younger guys. Kingsbury or yeah, the media, the, the media darling. Yeah. Like like, like uh, Mike was saying on the mothership, yeah. Like let's just look at the team's record right. They're eight and four. Brett Brea, when they were two and four, is talking about people who don't think the team's as tight run of a ship as they thought it would. It's Absolutely, it's tight. Run of a ship is you. You kind of you kind of wonder. Like, you kind of wonder it, what you, your point, around. Steve. Incredible. If you think about your point, Honestly, Steve, when you sit you point out the record, there they won six games since that moment. I don't know. I'm not saying that was bulletin board material, but he might have shown that to the guys that he brought in and said, "This is the kind of bullshit people are going to say about you if if you're not, you know, if we're not winning games." And so, and they're looking at it because uh, Judon had that awesome tweet earlier. Uh, this week about uh, PFF, you know, that idiot, uh, George, Chubb, you know, with, with so many consonants, you know, wheel of fortune, wheel of fortune would break if they had so many, that had so many consonants, but uh, shopping at target and shopping at target before nothing wrong with target. Everybody wrong with target. Target. Best. And we got some good shit from there. Top shelf. Yeah. Doesn't, isn't expensive shit known for breaking. I, look, like, I, I want my I want my durable shit from Target. So you know what? I take it. I will love everybody who's coming from Target. Bring me all of the Target purchases. Born, Judon, give them all to me. I will write them all love letters. <laughs> they should all be at the Pro Bowl. I, I love them all dearly. Shop, go back shop to the well. at Target. Go back to the well <laughs> this offseason. Yep, back to Target. If you can, if you can buy a defensive player of the year, can't. And it's at Target. Then, like, I really got to start looking around better in there because I, I, I didn't know. <laughs> Can the red balls out front play offensive line? That like you could buy that sort of thing. <laughs> red sleeves, red balls. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do yeah, it. Let's I, everything wow, I didn't red. Know that. <laughs> no, but, but back to back back to the coach of the year. I, I think then we can kind of move on completely from coach of the year. But um, it is funny, and I think, and this is probably years in the future. But don't you think after Bill retires, you could totally see it five to ten years after he retires, finally there's going to be a love fest that comes out for Belichick that appreciates everything he did. Yep. And it's going to be bizarro world. It's, it's the way be, it is. Where the fuck were you? This is the same thing with, with Tom Brady went to Tampa. All the years yep. Tom is he's a system quarterback, all this shit, and now he went to Tampa. Everyone loves like, him. Everyone can't even get any more to the balls at this point for how much they're sucking the dick of, of Tom Brady. Like it's, it's insane. Like the, now people love Alex Guerrero. People love <laughs> like well, this guy was a snake oil salesman up here in Boston and goes out to Tampa. And this guy's like, he's a miracle worker. Father. It's like, what the fuck is happening? Anyway? Yeah. yeah. It, it's the, it's, it's the laundry as, as, as Seinfeld would say. 
you know, it's the laundry and it, people do not like the Patriots for whatever, re- for every kind of reason. And, and that's actually going to be my final thought. So stay tuned for that. That's called a tease, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not, they don't, they don't give this, these shows to monkeys. Oh um, man, I've been, I'm teed up at <laughs> TW and I've teed up Bill. Now I have to, I have to tee up Steve somehow. Yeah. Um, but I want to get to a topic really quickly. Um, about an argument I was having with actually a mutual follower of mine and th- this whole thing about wins, right? And this whole thing about games in the, in the prospect of them being quote unquote good wins and not so good wins. I mean, and this is where, you know, the entitled podcast network really taps into its wheelhouse because Fans have complained about every single win and the way it's come across. And, you know, last week the Titans ran for 260 something yards and that's terrible. And oh my goodness. And, but, you know, Belichick is what, four and one, five and one when a team's opponents run for 250 plus yards. So, you know, it's all about the style points. And literally, I was arguing with somebody right now. You know, there was a graphic, you know, that showed all the Patriots wins, all six of them, six in a row. And the guy says, oh, four game, four good games. And I say, no, there's six good games because they're all wins. And he's like, oh, well, no, I'm not going to put the Jets and the Falcons up there. Are you seriously telling me that when you beat any team, I don't care if it's the Sisters of Mary Parish or, or the team from Sister Act, if you beat them from by 54, if you win 54 points on a team and you're telling me that's not good, and then you're telling me about the Falcons playing on a Thursday night, that's not a good win? I mean, they're all wins, for Christ's sake. I mean, the Jaguars beat the Bills, going back to what we were saying earlier. This, this league, this NFL, especially this 2021 version of the NFL, is the most un- one of the most unpredictable seasons I think I've ever watched. And you're just happy to get a win out of it, regardless of what it is. And if we're really becoming that spoiled and that much of, of, of hard asses that every win has to be, you know, a, a 2007, uh, early 2007 version of the Patriots where, you know, you're throw- scoring 38 points a game and you're throwing 50-yard bombs to Randy Moss, then there's no reason for you to watch. Anybody may have a comment on that, or did I just did I just shut it down? <laughs> what what we need to do is you need to start looking at how they perform against the average. Oh, go ahead, Steve. I, dude, I absolutely agree. Yeah, oh, well, I, 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 I always hear this so like, oh, they, it doesn't matter that they beat up on this team because bad team. That's what good teams do to bad teams. If they were a bad team, they would play to the level of the bad team. But no, they're a good team, so they beat the doors off the shitty teams. That's how it works. Good teams beat the shit out of bad teams. You don't just accidentally beat a team 54 to 13. Like, that's a, a bad team doesn't beat any team 54 to 13. You don't score 54 points in a fucking game if you're a bad team. I mean, you have to start comparing it. You have to start comparing it to how they perform on the average. And here's the thing: Atlanta is usually losing by about nine point four points. We beat them by twenty six. Cleveland, you scored above their what their defense typically gives up by a lot and gave up significantly less. Same thing with the Jets. You're looking through this win streak. You're making every team look like the Detroit Lions. 
you're making every single one of those teams look like the Detroit Lions. And regardless of how they don't feel like a winless team, that's a winless suck bag team. And so you're making any team that strolls into your stadium, any team that you travel to on any footing with cold weather in domes in nice weather doesn't matter you're making them look like the detroit fucking lions and if you're going to be doing that week in week out it doesn't matter if it's me my sister my my mother my wife lining up against them we don't make it a bad win or a good win we're on the schedule we're going to get our doors blown off and that's going to be a good win because they're playing up to the expectations that should be set for them at that stage in the game yeah, I didn't want to spend too much time on it, but it just was something that was irking my nerves because uh, it, it, it's it, it's going back to that time when, you know, every win had to be a good win. I, I, we need to get out of that mentality and enjoy this season, man, because this is awesome. And I, I'm having fun and I'm having fun watching these guys as a team collaborate. And, you know, the, the locker room videos, you know, just, you know, I don't, who needs sex when you can watch those videos? I mean, please, you know, it's, it's all Pat's porn. Yeah. Yeah. It's all Pat's porn. But back to just real quick, what's the alternative to any kind of win? A loss. So all wins are good. Why, why do we have to go back and, and, and do this ticky tacky, you know, nickel and dime wins? Just a win. Move on. It's like what Belichick just says. We're on to the next, just on to the next one. It's like once you get the win, there's nothing else to say about it. Unless there was like some, you know, huge injury that changes the season, there's no reason to really talk about these wins other than to gush about them a bit. Hey, be proud about your wins. It goes back to what we were talking about with the, the taunting rule and celebrating. Celebrate this shit. Like when you do good things, you should celebrate it and you should celebrate the wins as a fan. Like that's why you're the fan of a team. Like I, I just don't get it. Like, are you the fan of a team to be fucking miserable? We're not, we're not Browns fans. We're not fucking Mets fans. Like just be happy, man. Like I, I don't, I don't know what it is with people. I think they have like some weird, it's, it's gotta be some other like Pats fan. Uh, what do we call it? The, the syndrome there, you know, you have to, you have like the Pats fan version of the of Patriots breaking your brain. Like I, I don't know how like winning has just spoiled you to the point it's broken your brain of enjoying being a fan, but somehow it has. It's 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 radio, man. It's the media. It's, I'm telling you, it, it's their their job. In, in my in my opinion, their job is to make you not enjoy the games. Their their job is to make you make make you think. And if you're really that manipulated, then that's a you problem. And you need serious help. You don't need radio people talking to you. But if but their job is to convince you that the people you're watching owe you something and that they owe you that. And if they don't give it to you or if they fall short, then it's their fault and you need to let them know. That's Poison. what these radio Poison. people are telling you. It's lead poisoning, man. Right from the straight from the ears to your brain, like, and just to move on from from that a little bit. Loving this team, like I love Judon. I love Barmore. You know, it's funny because I was gonna say this when Bill was talking before about Barmore. It's like he's such a goofy, fun, loving guy. You hear him talk. You see him talk at the podium. You just love that kid. You love him, like him and Judon. Kendrick Bourne has been great. Hunter Henry, like with Mac gelling. I mean, there's just so many things to like about this team, not to mention um, like all the people that we've, we've already known, like McCordy and Hightower and, and Van Noy and everyone like that. So I, I just have enjoyed the ride and I continue to do so because it's been great.
Yeah, it's awesome. So uh, just one more topic before we get to the emails. And it was, and I, and I point, and I pointed this in the, uh, in the chat thread, I said the hubbub over MJ 10 versus Mac 10. Oh my goodness. If, if you saw, uh, you know, Mac Jones, if you didn't know, Mac Jones uh, put out a, a, tra a trademark for MJ 10, you know, that's going to be, I guess his, if, if, you know, once he gets to the point where he has a company or anything like that, he's going to have that trademark. So nobody else takes it. This is, you know, a general thing that all athletes do, you know, especially, but, but oh my goodness, uh, you can't do it. If, especially if you're a rookie who's only played 12 games, you don't deserve to have uh, uh, something that's named after you. You have to win championships. This was the whole mess of, of, of top of, of, noise that you heard just because a guy trade an athlete trademarks his initials and then the whole idea was and then it wasn't about the trademark it was about the name oh well mac 10 sounds cooler than mj10 well it, <laughs> I, I i have no energy for this does anybody have anything about this because it, it, to me i'm just lost well all i have to say is to the people who say that he has to wait until he does more is why would you wait long, a long period of time to trademark something? He's protecting his money. He's protecting his money. He's protecting his future. But when you want to trademark something, don't you try to do it as soon as like possible? Like, yeah, because then like someone else can take it, it and then it's too late. I mean, people for people forget with Tom Brady. Tom Brady failed like. 10 trademarks he wanted to make about certain things that he wanted to phrase to trademark. And because he waited too long and because maybe it came later when he felt he was, he, he had more under his belt, it was already gone. And then you have to like pay people to get the trademarks. It's like, he's just, didn't he want to trademark let's go or something or LFG, something to that nature, right? Oh, there was a ton. I, I was just looking the other day when this whole thing came out, I was looking at all the ones that Tom Brady tried to trademark. And it was, there was a lot, there was actually, it was like 10 or 12 he's missed on in the past that he, he's too late on. So, um, back's just being smart. Yeah. It's important. You know, it's important to protect your money. That's, I mean, long and short of it. He wants to make money long term. Protect your money. Get your bag. Save your save an opportunity to trademark something that somebody else will trademark over the top of you if you wait. Like he's not saying that here comes my MJ10 merch. He could, and I would buy it. But it, it's you know it, it, he's just trying to protect his money, and anybody giving him a hard time for that is really just being pathetic because they don't understand how the business side of this works at all. Julian Julian Edelman's name is JE11. It's yeah, it's that that's pretty damn boring and I he has no problem selling things. Oh yeah, and that that rolls off the tongue. That rolls yeah. off JE11. Um, by the way, uh, say that shit all the time. You want to know what you Usain Bolt who's one of the most uh his 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 products sell I think number 3rd, he's third on the Forbes list. Do you know what his product name is? Usain. How boring is that? <laughs> Oh people, God! People are knocking. People are knocking him for using his own initials. He was born with the name. It's not like he's making shit up. It's not like his name is like Mac Anderson, and he's like, "I'm going to be MJ of the NFL." MAJ. And, and, it, and it, initially, I thought people were pissed because he picked MJ, and I'm like, uh, "I mean, but that those are his initials. So what are you going to do?" And then people are saying he wants to be like Tom. Okay, first of all, why not? Why doesn't he want to be like, oh, okay, 
whatever. And the other thing is, like I said, he's protecting himself, but he, he's not going to get Mac 10. So get that out of your stupid head. All these people who are like, why didn't you pick Mac 10? And there was another one that said Mac attack would have been better. I think that was the, the guy me and Shaq were going back and forth with. Uh, and I think it was Mike <laughs> from Route 1 that said, come again. Like, why, why would you why would you pick Mac attack? That sounds so cheesy. Not to mention, oh, Mac and cheese, Big Mac. Should he try and patent something else that's probably already taken? Like, are, this is how dumb Twitter is. Like, every, everyone just wants to just be mad about something even though I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, we're all doing the same thing. <laughs> but like, you just, you're just complaining to complain. I mean, he's, he's how old? He's 23 years old, 24 years old. Yeah. He's, he's looking out for himself. He's, he'll have nothing else to complain about him. Otherwise he's doing everything and beyond what you should be as a rookie. Everything we would have wanted in a Patriots quarterback. And you're complaining about him trademarking something that, you know, honestly, I don't think this would have been news years ago because Darren Ravel now his job is to solely be a fucking annoying uh, thorn in everyone's side to just tweet about business and trademarks and stupid shit. I don't even know why anyone pays this guy. He's a fucking creep. But he's just, you know, he tweets out the trademark and that's what gets people riled up. There's like, it's corny as fuck. It's like, I mean, what do you want him to do? Do you want it's him to not- just wait? It's not your trademark. Why do you give a fuck? If it's corny, don't buy the shit. It's not that hard. Just don't buy it, and it won't be around everywhere. But you know what? People are going to buy it because it is an accurate trademark. Hey, I'm buying everything. I'm I'm like 10 years old in the Mac, and I'll I'll go buy that shit. Like, I don't care. Absolutely. But trademarks are business. It's a free market. People will just not buy it if it sucks so just let it happen and these are the people that go to fucking bj's and costco and sam's club and buy knockoff pat shit that say like live die pats fans like bury me in red white and blue i bleed patriot like they buy the corniest shit of all time and they're complaining about mj10 like the 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 facebook shirts that are like you know death taxes new england patriots for life (laughs) also i love coffee Uh, Duncan's around the corner. What, what the, those remind me of those stupid memes. Uh, like, if you're not a Patriots fan when they're in trouble, well, then you're not a real Patriots. Or you know, some of those weird things that are just so I'll be cringy. There. I'll be there in the best of times. <laughs> yes, I'll be there in the worst, worst of times. times. <laughs> Live, oh, laugh, love, Patriots. <laughs> God, hey, they Karen. are so cringy. Uh, all right, we're, we're running a little long, so I'm going to. Uh, do an executive producer decision and move uh, one. I'm going to do one of Vinny Jace's emails because Vinny, you, 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 you're killing us. But uh, but thank you. Uh, our entitled weekend at gmail.com is the email address. And I, I, I'm going to just do one question. We'll do the other three next week because it's a bye week and well, we're going to be searching for topics. Probably not because you know it's the Patriots and everything's a topic. But I'm going to go with this one question from Vinny. Actually, two questions. And then we'll have a surprise one coming up. Uh, when teams have a young quarterback like Baker Mayfield and is due for a major payday, but they are unsure of the ceiling with him, are they better off trying to trade the quarterback and restart or simply pay him and hope to figure out how to make construct the team around the player now commanding a large chunk of your payroll later? I often wrestle with this. I know this won't be a topic for Mac Jones for at least three years. <laughs> Why are you asking us now then? <laughs> 
but uh, I, to me, I, I think, I, I, you know, especially for a team like the Browns, you know, Baker is, I don't, for me, I don't think he's really, a, he's one for the Browns for a while. I think he's, he doesn't impress me at all, but what do you guys think? I, I'm going to do a cop-out answer and say it is really about your roster construction. If you have built a strong defensive team and it is a team that, you know, sort of you can trust that quarterback to be a, a game manager. You can trust that quarterback to, you know, make the correct plays most of the time and sort of matriculate the ball down the field. You're going to be a little bit more run heavy, things like that. Then, yeah, you could pay that quarterback so that you're not risking the window of your defense and you pay the offense. But if you're building it around, you know, a, a high powered offense, then at that stage, I really think it's about the, um, I think it's about having to pay the right quarterback. And in, in situations like Baker, he's not the answer there. They got to move on and pick somebody else. And so I would trade Baker. I would have traded Baker before this trade deadline. You know, it would have made life easier for them. Uh, so I, I think it depends a lot on, like you said, it depends on the roster construction and it depends on like, what's the market? What else is out there? Is, is there someone in the draft? As much as the drafts are crapshoot, do you think you can get a good prospect in the next draft? Do you think there's a decent free, a serviceable free agent that you can get for lower money? Or like, I mean, sometimes like, well, sometimes the players do have all the hand and, you know, as far as like Baker Mayfield and Cleveland, I agree with you guys. I don't think Baker Mayfield is the real answer in Cleveland, but at the same time, it has been so long and so many quarterbacks that Cleveland has drafted and Baker Mayfield is probably the best quarterback they've drafted in a long time. He might have all the fucking yeah. Tim Couch. <laughs> wow. For, for, for him to be the best quarterback that they've drafted in a long time. Back to trying to draft quarterbacks in Cleveland because you're not fucking good at it. Yeah, for him to be the best one is wow. That says a lot. I, I would I would agree with everything that's been said, and I, I would say I, I think they have a good roster. Otherwise, I don't think there's anything wrong with. I wouldn't chance it on the draft per se because if their history of hey, it's like if people want to point out Belichick's not good at drafting wide receivers, Cleveland Browns are not good at drafting quarterbacks. So. To, to that point, you should package something that's going to, you know, no longer be valuable in a couple of years, like a running back. I'm not saying it has to be Nick Chubb. I'm not saying it has to be, maybe it's Kareem Hunt. You package him with that quarterback and you upgrade if you can. I mean, I don't know if what that, what an upgrade for them technically is and, and what they can get for value, but I think that's what you do because I think the rest of the roster is pretty sound. And I think, um, you know, you, you do have draft picks uh, now. You you can you can do something. Maybe you trade draft picks with him. I don't know, but I don't think he's the answer. We talked about this before the Browns game, even after. Just he's not a quarterback that's gonna. First of all, everyone talks about Mac Jones. Is he a quarterback that's gonna come back in games and, and win you games? You're down it. Baker Mayfield isn't, and he's not a guy who can even really stay in a tough defensive game. Like once you get out ahead of him, I feel like he's done. That's it. And he has a great defense. He has a good offensive line. I mean, you could probably plug in most mediocre quarterbacks there and do fine. Um, 
And again, he's playing with 5,000 injuries, apparently. The media is going to continue to go to bat for the guy on the commercials where he's pretending the stadium is where he lives. Just end that commercial. It's the fucking worst commercial of all time. Um, but just, you can move on. Yeah. Yeah, I just say do it anyway. Um, so, yeah, it's about time. Final thoughts, guys. Um, Steve, I'm going to start with you and your final thought. Uh, I'm just going to go real simple with my final thought is turn off your fucking radios. Stop reading these fucking blogs. Either just listen to podcasts like this or see what like Mike Reese or Matt, Matt Chatham has to say because the rest of them are all fucking useless. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. So yeah, if, if, if you're continuously giving yourself that permission to do that, then again, it's a you problem. Uh, Dan, your final thought. Um, I just want to talk about the misconception of, of checkdowns and how, the checkdowns are one of the most important parts of a football game, first of all. Second, if someone's not throwing bombs every other play or running around with the style points to escape a play and throw something off the back of their foot and somehow it gets completed, um, the person's a checkdown king. And, and I think that's sort of the funniest. And it's come up even more this week in the juxtaposition of Josh Allen versus Mac Jones even though they average the same amount of yards per attempt, but never mind. Let's just not look at that. We'll look at all the other stats. We just won't look at that. Um, Mac Jones is doing a great job. And again, he's a rookie. And this goes back to Tom Brady. I remember people called him the check down King forever without looking that he was one of the best all time in terms of throwing it greater than 20 yards. Um, Just because you don't take long shots all the time, doesn't make you a bad quarterback and Aaron Rodgers has been fortunate in his career with the cast he's had around him that to a degree also have lifted him up when he's had bad games too so I mean he has a Devontae Adams now and uh yeah the guy lied to the media and um I mean this could have been my final thought was basically the the fake vaccine cards down in Tampa yet uh they got suspended three games and Aaron Rodgers got fined fourteen thousand dollars uh, which is it's not even a drop in the bucket. It's like it's a, it's so small. It's it's like the size of an atom. Can't even see it. Um, but everyone likes to say the checkdown king because they're being smart, and it's also just smart plays. That's that's Josh McDaniels too. It's not just the quarterback. It doesn't mean he's incapable of doing things downfield. It's not like he has this awful rating when he's throwing it down the field. I mean. Since the Cowboys game, I think anytime he's been throwing it 20 yards or more, he's been really good. And at the times that it hasn't um, been caught, it's more than likely it was the receiver um, where they ran the wrong route. They didn't finish it, anything like that. So we need to get away from this. And I, and I think it's especially something that, you know, teenagers like to, to, to say because they love like the stylistic throws, but. There's nothing wrong with checkdowns. I'll take it all day if it means my team is going to win and continue to convert. So the pass is complete regardless if it's by 50 or by two. So that's all that matters there. Uh, Bill, your turn. Final thoughts. All right. Welcome to my ongoing series of when everyone else zigs, Belichick zags. I'm going to go into the draft. So 
everyone likes to hit on why isn't Belichick drafting these wide receivers? Why isn't he, you know, why is he bad at drafting wide receivers? He's not bad at drafting wide receivers. The league overvalues wide receivers in the draft. And he makes his decisions looking back on his last several drafts based on the de- how the depth of the position and how many people have already been selected at that position. For example, let 2020, Josh Uche was at where our first pick at pick number 60. 13 wide receivers were selected before pick 60. Would you want them to have selected the 14th best position wide receiver position taken over drafting a linebacker that could be impactful for them? Absolutely not. So looking back, here's what they do during the draft in their early round picks. In 2020, they took the second safety off the board with Duggar. In 2019, they took the second wide receiver off the board with Harry, only behind Marquise Hollywood Brown. In 2018, they took the third tackle off the board and the third running back off the board with Isaiah Wynn and Sony Michelle. 2017, no, no picks in the first two rounds. 2016, 2016, they had no first round pick. And this was an oddity. They took the seventh cornerback off the board. In 2015, they took the third defensive tackle off the board. 2014, second defensive tackle off the board. And then in the second round, the fourth quarterback off the board, Jimmy Garoppolo. In 2013, they didn't have a first round pick. They had took the eighth linebacker off the board in Collins. And then they took the sixth wide receiver off the board. And in 2012, the second linebacker off the board in Hightower and the fifth defensive end off the board with Chandler Jones. They find where they are seeing other teams are zigging and they choose to zag. This is not a hard strategy if you understand how Belichick's mind works. When the league goes past, he goes run. They go small, he goes big. Everyone goes to draft a particular position. He drafts in an opposite direction to get the most skilled people at that position. This is not a hard logic to understand. And this is what makes Belichick great. As soon as they start to learn the game, he changes all the rules. And that's what he does with the draft, roster building, game management, and why he is the coach of the year every year. Perfect. I love it. And and God, I, I can't count how many times I've heard that on, on Twitter. Oh, wide receivers, he can't draft wide receivers. It's okay to admit that he can't draft wide receivers. So hopefully that will, you know, quell that notion a little bit. Um, so here we go with my final thoughts. And Allow me to get my fake Dr. Phil on. I mean, he is fake, but allow me to, to get that on because within the story of the Patriots' two decades plus of success, there are so many layers. You can scratch the surface and you can count the wins, all the trophies, all the accolades, either empty or deserved. And for those of you who want to go deeper, you can explore the rule changes brought upon by that dominance you know, whether it's the Colts or whether it's the Ravens complaining, uh, Bill Belichick's shift from defense to, to prioritizing defense to offense to defense again and modified play calling and using the rule book to your advantage and all of that. But ultimately, if you want to whittle it down the last 20 years and the foreseeing uh, 20 years, it's been much about the human experience and existence. Raw emotions by humans played out live. And in the end, the one emotion that sticks out the most for me is jealousy. Humans are sick, jealous, 
losers who instead of celebrating innovation, instead of celebrating hard work and effort and skill by players who might not otherwise be appreciated and players who might not even be held in regard by the media, they're either they're lazy, they're pathetic individuals who would rather throw around words such as, oh, you're a cheater, the Patriots are cheaters, to undermine winners and to make their own pathetic, lazy butts feel better about themselves. See, you have the Rams and, and Marshall Falk crying about surveillance. They had talent in 2001, right? Greatest show on turf. They beat you. <laughs> Even if they'd been at every single practice, you still should have had enough because, you know, the talent always wins, right? But you didn't want it bad enough. You lost. The Colts cry about the wide receivers being manhandled and, you know, beat up at the line of scrimmage. They changed the rules. Ironically, the only time the Colts won it was it was about the defense, you stupid idiots. And then teams like the Jets and the Browns hire complete boobies as head coaches. And then they wonder why they win once or twice a year. The list goes on and on. And so at the end of the day, it's all about humans. And we've seen this during this Bills week. It's all about jealousy. And it, it's going to be continuing if that trend if the Patriots continue to win. So that's, that's about it. <laughs> Bill? <laughs> You're raising oh, your no, hand. That's me. That, no, no, that's me clapping. That's the oh. clapping one. <laughs> Giving you a round of applause for that one. That was elite. I was, well, thinking, I was thinking on that for a while. I could tell. That was good. That was well calibrated. And while you were, you were giving a, a piece of art to us, um, Bill just had some breaking news. You heard it here first. High tower practice in full. Oh, okay. He just missed the, just missed the media section because they're a bunch of assholes. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? Let the, let let them see. Let them not see who who's there. I I, I like that even more. Um, retired right. retired players are allowed to miss the media portion. <laughs> and all you Twitter <laughs> handles out there going booty liquor sixty nine four twenty. Oh Jesus! Eat shit. <laughs> yeah, those 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 seasoned idiots need to go to hell. Um, all right, that'll do it for us this week. Um, uh, you can find us again entitledweekend at gmail.com. We're at entitledweekend on Twitter. Uh, the general Steven Reisner is at underscore at Reisner underscore Steven. Dan is at Judon Sack Lunch. Bill is at the Fib 0624. I am at Atomic Dog 5150. Uh, next week is bye week, so make sure you tune in. We're going to be doing some interesting questions. And again, a lot of those have to do with Vinny. Thanks, Vinny. And until next time, turn off your radio slugs. <laughs>